Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. A lot of Courtney and Scott this week, Julie. A little painful, right? It was painful for me. I have to say that I think what's happening is that as this season of Keeping Up is progressing, simultaneously, we are also witnessing Courtney and Travis's relationship more in the paparazzi and just more things coming out about them. So it's a little bit challenging to have your brain in two places at once. I can't decide if it's worse that they're in relationships with that knowledge or if we would be watching this not knowing anything, like with the idea that they could be back together, I can't decide which would be more painful. Well, I don't really have an answer to that either. And I guess we'll come to that conclusion more so maybe as this episode goes on or as the season goes on. But just in general, we're on such unleveled playing fields because Courtney's relationship seems to be so different than Scott's in terms of the level of seriousness that I don't even feel like we can be at peace and saying, well, at least they're both separate. At least they're both the people that we think are going to be it because that's not the case. Right. One of them is and one of them is. Yeah. It's just a lot to take in. And I will say this episode though, comparatively speaking to the last two was far less intense, meaning there was more filler. You could kind of watch it without having to analyze every single second. And it was very enjoyable filler. Like obviously some of it was a little bit stupid, but I have to say I laughed a lot throughout this episode. I think also, because I did as well, but I think something that's happening is that we know this is our last season and so we're really just savoring it. Yeah, I agree. Like who are we to complain about any sort of filler? No, I'm not complaining at all, but I specifically like enjoyed this filler. Like the push stuff, any other time I would be like, okay, Courtney. But the fact that it incorporated Chris and Corey's sex life, I was like, I could watch that shit all day. Well, you know how I feel about that. I cannot wait to talk about it. Me too. 
So we start out, they're at the Malibu house. It's Kim, Kendall, Chloe, Chris, and Corey. And this is kind of when we're introduced to the plot line of the Kardashians versus the Jenners in terms of their strength. And like you said, it was stupid, but it was still fun. I still enjoyed it. And it was very timely because the audio of Kendall has been circulating a lot on TikTok of her saying like every blood test she's ever had says she's built like an athlete. So it was I loved the incorporation of that plot with a simultaneous TikTok sound. Yeah. And also, I just think in general, it's fun when you see Kim's competitive side come out a little bit. Yes. And I love a little Kardashian-Jenner rivalry. What can I say? Right. Because we're so not really used to that. I think we just associate them all under the Kardashian umbrella at times just for purposes of ease, I guess. Yes. And it's fun because you know when you're going Kardashian versus Jenner, that means we're going to get more Jenner involvement than we're used to. I mean, when Kylie showed up, I was absolutely floored, if we're being honest. Yeah, but that's how I feel about Stormy showing up. Like, I could give or take Kylie. When Stormy walks on the screen, I'm like, that's what this show is about. Yes. (laughs) So next scene, Courtney is alone at the Malibu house. And she's saying that, you know, she's there to just focus on Poosh. I have to say... I feel bad when I have this reaction because clearly she's really put her heart into this and it makes her so happy. And I don't mean to discount her business at all. I just don't know what happens to me. I have like a visceral reaction every time she says poosh. And maybe it's just because of the name where I just take it significantly less seriously than any of their other business ventures. It's not fair. It's wrong of me. But I just want to acknowledge and admit that I know I do that. Obviously, as a Poosh stan, I do have to say, I don't even know why I keep saying Poosh stan. It's just this ongoing joke that I can't even tell you the last time I looked at anything. But I will say that there's something about her saying it that always makes me want to roll my eyes. And it's like a reaction that I don't realize I'm having until after it's over. I think that some of that may come from Nori's Black Book because I I follow that account very closely and it's like their biggest joke. So I don't know if anybody else has that same experience where you're so happy for Courtney. She found something she loves. She clearly works really hard on it, but you find yourself taking it less seriously. I would just like to say, I admit that I'm doing that. I'm going to actively work on not, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't. I think a lot of people are though. So you're definitely not alone. We're definitely not alone. So Scott is in the kitchen. They're both kind of confused why the other one is there. Again, staged, but I don't care. I loved every second of it. And when Courtney asks him where Mason and Rain are, this is such a small little detail, but Scott said to her, they're at mom's, meaning Chris. And I know that that's common. Oftentimes in families, like the son-in-law will refer to the mom as just mom's, not your mom. I just didn't know that he did that. So it's so small, but it's just something I picked up on and I would imagine other people did as well. Yeah, I definitely picked up on that as well. I think I've heard him say mom to her before or call her mom to Courtney. I don't really know. But definitely when he said it there, like my ears perked up a little bit. Yeah, which I know. I mean, obviously, you know, his parents passed away, but I don't know if that's the reason or if that's just the way that he speaks. It's so it's so specific to families. Like it really depends. Some people do it. Some people don't. Yeah, definitely. I think it's probably a mix of the two. Like I think it's possible that he would have done that anyway, but Again, the dynamic of Scott with the rest of the family and them really, really being his family is something that we talk about all the time. And I just imagine that that one single thing of him saying they're at mom's really, really plays into that. Yeah. So Courtney's saying that Penelope wanted to sleep at Chloe's and Scott says, it's like the world is bringing us together. But of course, I'm sitting here thinking that is exactly what's happening. And I wish you both would just take in the signals and run with them, you know? I am. I know. It's going to be hard because I'm telling you while I was watching it, I was texting you. I was like, I'm in physical pain. 
I I feel it. Like even now when we're talking about it, I'm like, I don't know what to do. So Scott asks if she wants to watch a movie. She says yes. And in her confessional, Courtney says, I can't remember the last time Scott and I spent time alone together without the kids. It's been years since we did this and it's just a little bit weird. And she's sitting there, she's eating a cookie and Scott's kind of like making a joke about how she's eating it. By the way, little side note that I'm sure a lot of you listening can relate to, this had the same energy of when she thought she was teaching everyone the correct way to eat a Kit Kat bar, correct? Um, I think she did teach everyone how to eat a Kit Kat bar. <laughs> I don't know what you think think is, but she definitely taught us how to eat a Kit Kat bar. That was in the days when they had their apps. Do you remember that? Of course I remember. How could I forget? So Scott's asking her, you know, what she's working on with Poosh, and she says she thinks she's doing an article on celibacy. I was dying from this conversation. I'm sure you guys saw it, obviously. But she's like, you know, I have to do my research. And he goes, oh, we practiced celibacy for a while. She goes, no, we still had sex, even though you think we didn't. And Scott says, you told Sarah Howard that you thought I was a porn star when we first started hooking up. She goes, I remember, but I don't sit there and dwell. He goes, there's no dwelling, baby. You were with a porn star one time. I'm losing it. I'm sitting here and losing it. I just want you to know that. I cannot even explain to you. The only reason I can explain to you is because you feel the exact same way. I just can't physically put it into words. I really hope this is the feeling that everybody else had because I have to say, especially if you're watching this and you are like us where you really root for them together, it causes actual hardship to witness them sit there, talk about the days of them having sex when they are both single at the moment and know that nothing is going to come from it. It's it's a really a deep exercise in like self-control. I so agree. Also, I think it would help like our feelings if they weren't still so flirty with each other. Like obviously that's Scott's personality. The way he's with Courtney is exactly the same way he is with Chloe and Kim. Like it's just who he is. He's very mushy and very just like charismatic, I guess is the word. But when he does it with Courtney, it's like if you guys were more platonic, I think I would have an easier time with it. There's just always going to be that hint of of sexual chemistry. Right. And honestly, if I'm choosing, if somebody said you really could choose between the two, I'm going to choose the sexual chemistry every time and I'm just going to have to withstand it. But you are right. Technically, it would be a little bit easier, although I'm not willing to give this up because it offers me that little bit of false hope. I recognize it's false hope, but I still like to cling on to it. Yeah, same. So as if we're not already fully losing it, and when I say we, I mean all of us, they now are in a joint confessional. And Courtney says, I forgot how nice it is to just have a conversation with Scott without the kids. We're friends. Scott goes, yes, purely platonic. And she's laughing. He goes, what's so funny? She's like, I don't know. And it now flashes back to them on the couch. And she's saying, you know, I was walking around the neighborhood yesterday in a bikini. He goes, can I see a picture of the outfit? And they're just laying there like on different ends of the couch. You guys know it's one of those L couches. And everything happening between the joint confessional, between them joking about the platonic nature, the bikini thing, him wanting to see a picture, my head was exploding. I was spinning. Like I, I actually, and as we're recapping it, I don't even know what to do with myself. I, I obviously feel the same way. I really hope this is a sentiment that is echoed by the masses because we record this before the episode comes out. So the other thing is as we're watching it, we can't even be posting on our story like you guys are fucking going to lose it because we're not allowed to. So I'm sitting here and I'm just hoping everybody had the same reaction as us, but I really don't know. We're doing this kind of blind. I have to assume so based on just everything. 
So to take a little bit of a breather, we go to the next scene at the Malibu house again. It's Chris, Kendall, Chloe, Kylie, Kim, Corey. They're all playing volleyball. And this is when Kylie comes in, which like I think we said earlier, it's always shocking when she makes that appearance. Always. I can't decide if when I'm watching it, I feel like she's upset that she has to be there. And if I do feel that way, I can't tell if it's accurate or if it's just my perception based on what we've known previously. I can't tell either, but I think that something Kylie does well is that she really limits her exposure. So it is special when she shows up. Like, I think she knows what she's doing to an extent in terms of like, wow, like I get to grace their screens. I'm so lucky. It's kind of like streetwear, how like they they produce it in such few amounts that like it drives the price up. That's how Kylie is with her screen time on Kardashians. That's exactly how she is. But I'm saying, I don't know if it's accurate to assume that she's miserable being there or if that's total bullshit and that's just my perception of the situation. I don't know either. I don't think she's miserable. I think she's happy as long as she can do it on her terms. As long as she's showing up, she's having family time already and the cameras just happen to be there versus like, I have to show up, do a confessional, be ready for this, have them in my house, have them near my daughter. Like, I think it's very different when it's on her terms or it's just like a short appearance. Yeah, I guess I was surprised. And again, I don't know if this is rooted in any sort of reality. I guess I was surprised that she wasn't in full glam. Again, one of my assumptions is that she only would be willing to film when she's fully glammed up. I don't know where these things come from with Kylie, but I just have them in my mind. So when I saw she was like, you know, there natural with her hair slicked back, I was just surprised that she would be filming like that. She looks great. That's not it. I just, that's my mindset always. Like her own vanity. Yeah, I guess for the theme of the episode, it made way more sense that she wasn't. So next scene, it's Courtney, Chris, and Corey. And this is when Courtney informs them on the new Poosh article she's working on about the benefits achieved from celibacy. And you see the second she says that, it really just perks up Corey's ears. And he's like, are you sure I'm in the right conversation? And Courtney's kind of going through some of the benefits. And Chris goes, more energy for not having an orgasm. And Courtney's reading this quote saying that people who practice celibacy can have orgasms from just looking at sunsets. And it's very funny. They kind of have this whole conversation where Chris is kind of okay with the idea. Courtney wants them to be the guinea pigs for this. And you see that Corey is just so not down for this by any stretch of the imagination. You know what? Good for fucking Corey and Chris. That two weeks of celibacy for them seems like a lifetime. Good for fucking them. I was going to say that was the under-discussed element of this entire conversation, but that was clearly where my mind went initially because based on their reaction, not just his, hers as well in terms of recognizing that it would be a big shift, clearly read between the lines. That means that they're doing it very often. Yes. And they say something along the lines, like I think Courtney's the one that says it is like, Corey and Chris are just not discreet at all with their sex life. And they do like a flashback to like Corey and Chris you know, going into the room, Chris saying that she needs to have sex, like all of these things. And it's a hundred percent right. Like we do see Chris in this scenario a lot, but for them to like break it down for how often they're clearly doing it, I was like, this is some info. Right. That's exactly how I felt. And when they're in the confessional and Corey says, we have no privacy. So even the bedroom is up for your family's business. It's just so funny because we as viewers are so used to this. I mean, we've been watching this for 20 seasons. We know exactly how deep they are in other people's businesses. But when you remove it from the Kardashian lens and just 
put it in terms of like a quote normal family, this is, I guess, relatively intrusive. Like all of a sudden your daughter is deciding that you and your boyfriend aren't having sex because she needs you to be her experiment for her article. Like that's a hilarious mindset when you remove it from the Kardashians. Hilarious. I mean, any, I mean, I think that's a weird family dynamic, not weird, but like an unusual or unknown territory for most families. Like the intimate knowledge of how often your parents or how often your mom and her boyfriend are having sex is not something that most children are privy to or want to be privy to. Right, exactly. I think Courtney in general, though, is so sex positive and so open about it that she, out of anyone, makes it the least weird to talk about. Right. Like anytime it comes up around Chloe, she's like gagging. She's like, can you not? But with Courtney, also that's new for Courtney though. Not that she hasn't always been sex positive, but I think that that's part of Poosh. And we were kind of talking about this, I think in a couple of episodes ago, where she really views sex now as like a wellness thing and as part of her brand rather than just like sex. Right. Which, I mean, you know how much of a fan of that mindset I am. Yeah, of course. And they're kind of just you know, talking about it. And Corey says to her, do you practice this CEO of Poosh? And Courtney goes, I'm celibate till my husband from Switzerland comes. And Chris says, did you advertise for a husband from Switzerland? And Courtney goes, no, I just know that's where he is. That's where I will end up. And they kind of have this like quick back and forth about it. And it comes up later on. Am I wrong or am I off? I didn't know that this was a running thing within the family. Like, is this a newfound mindset that Courtney is, has, or this fascination with Switzerland, is this relatively new? Um, Personally, first I ever heard of it, but maybe it was mentioned before. Definitely not to this extent. If it was mentioned before, full disclosure, I had no idea about it because this was the first time I was hearing it. Yeah, same. It's funny because at the end when Chris and Corey are in their confessional and Chris says to him, you're horny as fuck, so I don't think this is going to (laughs) work. He's like, this is everything I could ever dream of. Everything. And also like, I am just so happy for Chris. Like, I am so happy for her that she found someone who not only just loves her, but is so unbelievably attracted to her and wants her so badly that two weeks without sex with her seems like a lifetime. Like, that is all I could ever want for somebody. Well, I think the thing with Chris is that from what we've seen, Corey really not only embraces her sexuality and her sexiness, but makes her kind of embrace it. And I think that that's a really important element in a partner, you know, to make you feel like you are in touch with that side of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So next scene is just Chris and Corey. And this is kind of once the celibacy exercise has begun and he's saying to her, you look so sexy. Can you resist me? And she's like, no, you stay over there. I'll stay over here. And you can see that he, the idea of it is, is really weighing on him. So he just wants to talk about it where she's like, why are we even talking about it? I thought we were removing it from the conversation, but he's just clearly not capable yet. Also, like what's really funny about the way they're going about this is they're like, you can't kiss me. I'm like, that's not what celibacy is, Chris. Like, I think you're allowed to kiss each other. I know, but I think that maybe her mindset, whether it was for her or on behalf of him is the idea that like, okay, I give him an inch and he takes a mile, or even for her own sake, it's easier to resist when none of it is in the equation. Right. It's just funny. They're kind of having this back and forth. And at the end, Chris says to him, just take a cold shower. You're going to be fine. And Corey goes, that's where you're wrong. You don't know what a cold shower will do to me. (laughs) I can't handle them. I really, I love them so much together. I like Corey. I really do like Corey. I know some people have mixed feelings because I think I don't know. Some people may feel, or in, at least in the beginning of their relationship, felt that he was being a little bit opportunistic. I don't feel that way. And I'm willing to be proven wrong, but I don't feel that way at all. 
No, I don't feel that way either. I think there are things that Corey has said or done that I'm a little iffy on, but I think as a whole and what he's done for Chris and her self-confidence and just her, like just loving her so much and appreciating her so much. I think that is such an invaluable thing for her. And you've seen how happy Chris is. Like when she, at the end of her relationship with Caitlin, Chris wasn't Chris anymore. Like it was a lot of stress. It was a lot of just unhappiness and you're just seeing a different Chris over the years who is just she literally just seems genuinely happy every single time she's on screen she really does she really does and I will say in terms of Corey the only thing and again I could be misspeaking here because I don't have a full roster about every experience in front of me but the only thing that I can really remember that rubbed me the wrong way was the confrontation with Kendall and the way that that was handled aside from that I have continued to feel like he's been a real sense of security not only for her but also you know look at Kylie or Courtney the way that they feel about him they have a real relationship yeah definitely so I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So next scene, it's Kim, Chloe, and Kendall. And they're all just talking about the obstacle course. And Kim says... You guys, I came over here in the morning a few days ago and I saw Courtney and Scott asleep together on the couch. And they're both kind of in disbelief. And Kim says, no, they were separate. They weren't spooning on the couch or anything, but they weren't far away. They were close. And in her confessional, Kim says, Courtney and Scott were having a little sleepover. They definitely look a little cozy. Something's definitely going on between the two of them. I can feel it. And this is when they're having this conversation and Kendall's saying, do you think they're hooking up again? I just want them to try. Chloe's like, I don't know, maybe. I mean, Scott's single right now. What's the harm in trying? The worst that will happen is they're like, you know what? We don't vibe with this, but they're also too pussy to try. And Kim says, I think they're afraid they're going to mess up the good co-parenting. Chloe responds, which could be a good option. And Kim's like, yeah, but you're not one to talk. She goes, no, I'm not one to talk. I know that. Okay. I know I said earlier, there's not as much to analyze here. I take that back for the scene. There's like five different things that we have to discuss. A lot here. You want to start first? Well, let's just go with the initial breakdown, which is it is unbelievably fun 
as a viewer and as somebody who sits and has these same discussions about Courtney and Scott to watch the siblings do the same thing because you feel a real sense of camaraderie and you also feel simultaneously less crazy for wanting it because when you recognize that those that are so on the inside also have not lost hope, you feel a little bit more validated in your desire, I think. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of like what I was saying earlier about how like if he wasn't so flirty, if they still didn't have this banter, I wouldn't want it as badly. Maybe like it's the same thing with the family. If the family was sitting here being like, I am so happy they're not together. It is the best thing for our family. It's the best thing for their kids. It's the best thing for them. Like this is what is the right decision. Then probably a piece of me and a piece of all of us would be like, okay, they're, they have an intimate knowledge that we just don't have. And if they think this is for the best, then we just have to leave it alone no matter how badly we want it. But when they're sitting there having the exact same conversations we are about like, they would be so good together. They should just give it a shot. What's the worst that happens? You're just amping us up. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, (laughs) I would say that they've created a monster, but the monster has already been created. So if anything, they're just kind of escalating it. But when Chloe says, you know, they're too pussy to try. And Kim responds and saying, I think they're afraid they're going to mess up the good co-parenting. You know, that is a totally different conversation than they're just not into it or Courtney has no desire or it's the last thing on Courtney's mind because not doing something in fear of messing something up is very different than not doing it because you don't have a desire at all. And so to me, a line was drawn when she said that. That's interesting that you kind of had that view of it because in my mind, that was always the reason that they weren't getting back together. Oh, see, for me, I feel like when it comes to Courtney, I thought that maybe there was a part of her that just wasn't really into it. She wasn't, I don't want to say attracted to Scott because I think there's a level of attraction that will always be there, but I'm talking more on kind of like an emotional level that she desired a level of maturity or something else that he just wasn't giving. And so, and again, feeding into that point, the Travis of it all. It's a very different type of relationship. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of always where my gut was. I I don't know. What do you think? Well, the way I always viewed it is that A, he put her through a certain amount of trauma that she's just not going to be able to fully recover from in terms of them having a real relationship. Like I think that what they had gotten through will always, always be in the back of her mind, no matter how much she's grown, no matter how good of a parent he is, no matter how much he has changed over the years. I think that's a huge piece of it. But I think the other piece of it is if she were able to let that go or really get past it, I don't think that the thing keeping her from doing it isn't that she's not into him anymore, that she doesn't love him anymore. I think it is that they have such a good routine going and such a good co-parenting such a good everything that to get back together would mess that up. And I think the fear of, let's say we do get back together and it doesn't work out and it's way worse than it was before, because oftentimes like a second breakup would presumably be worse than the first breakup if you were able to work past it. I think that's what she's most concerned about. And I think that she doesn't trust that there wouldn't be a second breakup. Yeah. And you can't blame her for that, especially if she's using history to be kind of the predictor or the indicator of what's to come. And I understand that. And I think for me, like, cause obviously, you know, as we view this, we do it objectively, but everybody that watches this, you, you have a, a certain lens. And I guess like a mindset that I try to work on hard in my life is to not allow fear to dictate my decisions. However, 
with this particular situation, not being a parent, I think it's really, really hard to look at this in the best way because obviously my initial like knee jerk reaction is okay, but you can't let the fear of it not working out stop you. Come on. Like if you, if you let yourself do that, think about how many things you wouldn't pursue. However, when the fear of it not working out then could impact potentially your kids, I can understand why that's a justifiable fear. Whereas in situations that I've been in, especially when it comes to romantic things, I don't let fear be the deciding factor, but the stakes aren't as high for me. I think the other element of Courtney and Scott, and I don't know if we've how much we've discussed this before, but I think the reason that we want them together so badly, or at least to try, is because they they've never given it a shot where Scott's in a really good place. And I think that the thing that's holding us all back from being able to move past it is it's like, how do you know that it wouldn't work out if you've never tried with Scott at his current best? I know. And I think you're really right. And I think to add even on top of that is that that's very much the case. However, we are now bringing into the equation what Kim said of like, they don't want to mess it up. So for us, it's like, how do you know if you didn't try? But for them, and now if we're putting ourselves in Courtney's shoes, it's like, okay, yeah, you guys are accurate. However, and then if it doesn't, how far back are we in the parenting front? So it's like both, both stances are very valid. Right. And I think it's got to be really frustrating for Scott because I think the first and foremost reason that he really got himself together was for the kids. Like I have zero doubt about that, but I'm sure there is an element of him that when he was getting himself right, was like, okay, I'm going to be right. And I'm going to be right for Courtney. So to not be able to prove himself at the ultimate level has to be difficult for him. And it's kind of like he has this chance and it is being stripped from him. Understandably so. We get it. It's no blame towards Courtney, but it's like the final, you're right. It's like the final, what, uh, end of the obstacle course. He can't do it, you know? Right. Like I think I would have a much easier time and I would be able to really move past it. If like, let's say last year they gave it a shot and they broke up and they were like, it's just not what we want. It's not working. We're not in that place anymore. I would be able to be like, okay, you guys at least tried, you gave it a shot. And that's the conclusion you came to. I just feel like there is just so much unknown between them. And it's like an unsettling unknown. It is an unsettling unknown. And then the other element of it is, you know, when we take into the equation, their other relationships, and I'm really going to focus more on Travis and Courtney, because I think we all can agree that Scott is continually dating women that are younger for the sole purpose of it not actually having any reality of working out that like, by rooting for Scott and Courtney, you're simultaneously rooting against Travis and Courtney, which feels really cruel if you're saying, and by you, I mean like us, if we're saying that our end goal for her is happiness. So I guess my mind just constantly goes in circles and I don't know if that resonates with other people as well. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because you don't want to root against her and Travis because they do seem really happy together and she does seem very, at least infatuated with him, if not in love with him. But it's hard. To, it's always going to be hard to let go of the idea of her and, and Scott. And I don't think that anybody could blame you for that. And I am sure there is an element of her that hasn't fully, fully let go of it. She's just not willing to go there. Right. Because going there, I can imagine that's it's too hard for her. Yeah, I think so too. The last element of this conversation we have to mention is when Kim says, I think they're afraid they're going to mess up their good co-parenting. Chloe says, which could be a good option, Kim, but you're not one to talk. And Chloe says, I'm not one to talk. I know that. I I like a little Tristan reference here. I do too. Subtle but subtle but good. Subtle but informative. Would you like to 
clearly explain exactly what you viewed Kim meant by that statement? Well, I think the what Kim clearly means here is that Chloe and Tristan were willing to get back together and potentially ruin their co-parenting flow. Oh. Is that I, what you thought? I thought that she was saying like that Chloe wasn't willing because she was so had the same fear that Courtney had. Oh, no, I took it completely the other way around. Cuz I thought like Chloe gave her like a little smirk. She was like, "Clearly, I'm not one to talk." Oh, see, interesting. I don't know. Now I'm not sure. Well, think about it. I don't know. I I don't know. Let's let's relook at it without any of our preconceived notions. Okay. Kim says, "I think they're afraid they're going to mess up their co-parenting." Chloe, which could be a good option, meaning messing up their co-parenting to have a romantic relationship would be a good option. Kim says, yeah, but you're not one to talk. Chloe, I'm not one to talk. I know that. The reason that I think, and like I'm so ready to be proven wrong, that it's the one that I said is maybe because when Chloe said doing the romantic thing could be a good option, Kim responding, you're not one to talk, meaning like, yeah, but you didn't do it either. Like it's it's one thing for you to root for, but you were unwilling to do it. Is that totally off? No, but I just analyzed that one line the opposite way you did, whereas you thought it was good to not mess up the romantic. I thought, or good to mess up with the romantic. What did you say it was? <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was. Say it again. <laughs> no, keep this in. We're not taking this out. Okay, not just you, Julie, not just me. Everybody listening, we're going to start from scratch here. I want you to take any preconceived thoughts out of it. We're going to go through this one more time and tell me your thoughts. <laughs> By everyone, I'm like, get your notepads out. Okay. Kim says, I think they're afraid they're going to mess up their good co-parenting. Chloe, which could be a good option? Kim, but you're not one to talk. Chloe, I'm not one to talk. I know that. Go. No, you have to say one more time what you interpreted the, the could be a good option line as. Messing up their co-parenting for the sake of a romantic relationship could be a good option is what Chloe said. And then Kim responding saying, you're not one to talk, meaning you were unwilling to mess it up. Okay. Mine was, I thought she meant, which could be a good option, meaning it could be a good option to keep everything as is. Oh, okay. See, now I... Now I'm realizing that just looking at this, the transcript, is not nearly as informative as, as we were watching it. I forget the tone with which they said it. All I can remember is that there was a real smirk from Chloe at the end, which was very like a guilty smirk. Like when like when a like when a dog like does something and they're like, oh, you did something wrong, and the dog gives a look. Like that was Chloe's like guilty dog look. Very interesting. Okay, so maybe you're right. I have. I really don't know. Maybe I think that you are right. I don't know. Let us know. Send us a DM. Let us know what you think. Because now I feel like what's going to happen is we're going to send this episode to Molly, our producer, and then we're going to watch it again, and the answer is going to be as clear as day. Right. But hey, it's okay. We'll keep this in regardless. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a lot of mind work. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back with scene six. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. 
So Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Next scene, again, we're at the Malibu house. It's Chloe and Scott in the pool, Chris and Kylie on the trampoline. Really nothing to say here other than the fact that they are still on this obstacle course and Chris is very much rooting for Kendall and Kylie, thinking that they are going to be the more athletic. I see you wrote it down and I'm glad you did because you wrote down that Kylie is really sweet with Chris and I was going to point that out as well. I really love their relationship. Me too. The way that Kylie like walks into a room and sees Chris reminds me of the way I walk into a room and talk to my mom. So it was like so adorable. Yeah, very sweet. We've always said that with Kylie. And also Chris is really showing her alliance to the Jenners. I know. It's interesting. I wonder exactly what the root of that is in terms of the athleticism. Maybe just because she knows whether or not her relationship with Caitlin is in good standing. There's kind of no competition. I don't know. It was interesting. I was like, Chris, your colors are showing here a little bit. They were showing. (laughs) So next scene is Kim, Chloe, and Kendall, and they're still having this Courtney Scott discussion. And they kind of are all on the same page and Kendall saying, you know, I keep telling Courtney to give it a shot because I feel like she's not trying to. And in her confessional, Kendall says, I'm team Scort. I think she'll literally kill me for saying anything, but I don't know. I'm team Scort. I've known their relationship pretty much from the beginning. And you know, you can just tell how much they've loved each other. What can I say? It's my truth. And while she's talking, the producers really are just taking a knife in our hearts and then twisting it with a full montage from all the past seasons of some of their most intimate, cutest moments. And Again, coupled with Kendall giving her stamp of approval, it's just a lot to process. It really, it was a lot. It was. When they're talking with, you know, Kendall, Kim, and Chloe, and Kendall says, everyone thinks they're definitely made for each other, like they're supposed to be together. Chloe goes, I think he would do it in two seconds. I think he's waiting on her to make the first move. And I'm glad that Kim brought this up because Kim mentions the point of, I just think she'd be devastated if he really, really had kids in a new family. And Chloe feeds in with the line, I would be devastated. So there's like 18 things happening here before we even go to the next part. So one, the fact that Kim is acknowledging that as much as Courtney's quote over it or quote not into it, there's definitely a side of her that is content with the way that their family is and is staying and like maybe wants him to move on, but not really move on. And that's why she's so okay with him dating the type of people he's dating. I know she didn't say all of that, but that's kind of what I extrapolated from that. Yeah, I so agree with what you're saying. I mean, I I do agree. I think Courtney would be absolutely devastated if there was somebody else that came along that really not took his attention away from the kids. I don't think that would ever happen, but split his attention just with the family or really it was just a finite Scott is with somebody else and there is no chance of you guys getting back together because I think Courtney really likes that position of I can do my own thing. I can date who I want to date. I can even end up in a really serious relationship. And I have it in the back of my mind that no matter what, Scott will always be there. And I think losing that security blanket or that comfort would be a lot for her. 
Right. I feel the same way. It's just that I guess when I take it a step further, it's like she is not saying that to him. She is not deciding who he dates and who he doesn't date. And on a certain level, him dating the types of people that he's dating, meaning people that are so much younger where it's not going to work out and most likely they would want to have a family that he's probably not prepared or unwilling to have. It's almost like the best way I can put it is it's their both individual security blankets because for Courtney, she's glad that that's the path he's going down because it doesn't then infringe or potentially take away from the security she feels. And for him, he feels the security because he knows it's not going anywhere. So maybe he's holding out on a certain level, but it's still not aligned because it still leaves Courtney with the advantage. Right. Exactly. Have you seen that TikTok trend that's going around? That's like my favorite romantic comedy trope. Yeah. Okay. This is mine. Like the Scott and Courtney journey provided that one day they would end up back together is my favorite like romantic comedy trope because to to watch them date other people, do their thing, try to avoid getting back together. Like I have it so in my head that eventually it is going to work out that like it's going to take one really big thing for them to work out. And it's quite possibly that it would take Scott being in a real serious relationship with somebody close to his age, with somebody that he was actually planning on having a family with to snap Courtney into it. And I know a lot of people could say like, well, maybe that was Sophia. I don't think it was. No, Sophia was still too, I think Sophia was still too young for that to be viewed as quote threatening in Courtney's eyes. If we're using this definition of threatening, like I know you have to be really deep into this conversation to kind of understand if somebody just turned the episode on now, they'd be like, what are they talking about? But in terms of the definition that we are deciding to use as threatening, yes, I agree with you. I don't think it was Sophia. And I wonder, the thing is, though, you're right. That could be the thing that snaps Courtney, if anything, if there's even potential she snaps back. However, for Scott to even get there, he'd have to be jumping through so many hoops that right now he's clearly not prepared to because Courtney went more intense to Travis, to someone that there really could be a future with, and Scott backtracked. Right. I don't know, guys. This is this is not child's play. Like this is really not for the faint of heart. I got to tell you, it's it's so much more than just following this story. You have to really be prepared to get your heart broken, which I guess we all are. I'm watching like a ten year movie here. That's what it is. I mean, we have been watching this for what twelve years now. I mean, and then by the way, Kim is now like, let's parent trap them. I'm like, so not only are you using like my favorite rom-com plot line, you're also going to throw in my favorite movie of all time. When Kim says we need to parent trap it up and Kendall doesn't get the reference, that that hurt me. That, that hurt hard. That, that hurt hard. Wasn't it also funny when clearly Kim was just talking about the movie, but when she's saying the twins, she's talking, I mean, in essence about Lindsay Lohan, which was so not the point of it all, but it was in my mind on some level. Yeah, that's funny. You always, you do like a little bit of like an internet thing where you pick up on things that aren't there. I always do that. So funny because you do the, sometimes you'll do the exact thing that like I would make fun of anybody else for. I know it's subconscious. I can't help it. I mean, I'm all for it. I love the little details that you pick up on. It's just very funny. (laughs) Anyway, so they're talking in the confessional with Kim and Chloe and Kim's saying, you know, I think it'd be really cool. They've gone their separate ways. They've seen what else is out there. They can come back together. And they're just reflecting on how they're both single. They feel like they're vibing. They just feel like they need a little push. And this is when the idea of, you know, setting them up for that dinner comes into play. We'll get into that later on, but just know everybody is on board. So 
I hope that anybody who feels crazy is feeling less and less crazy as this episode progresses because those who know them the most intimately are equally as infatuated and equally as for this as the rest of us. Exactly. Next scene, really nothing crazy happens. Corey, Chris, Rob, Kylie, Stormy. I mentioned this because when do we ever get Rob, Kylie, and Stormy all together in one episode? And this is when Chris and Corey are doing Tai Chi with Courtney and an instructor. This episode had it all because it had every single family member. Yeah, which does not happen with the exception of Caitlin, obviously. It's nice to see Rob. He looks good. I love seeing Rob. You know, I always feel that way. Me too. Next scene, again, it's Kim, Chloe, Courtney. They're with Kim's trainer, Melissa. Wasn't this kind of weird that, I don't know if it was in this scene, but when Kim mentioned Melissa's name that Kendall didn't know who she was? So weird. I was like, first of all, the reason that it was weird is because I can't know your family members, people better than you do. Like, because then I'm crossing a line. (laughs) I know. It makes you feel crazy. But it's also because, I mean, Melissa has been synonymous with Kim's mornings for so many years now. And Kim really credits her for getting her in the best shape of her life. And so I would have thought, not only did Kendall know her intimately, I would have thought that they've worked out together on some level. I I think Kendall just wasn't thinking like, you know, sometimes you hear a name and it just doesn't register. I think that's what happened. I actually, on a total side note, because her handle is Fit Girl Mel with a U, I always thought that they referred to her as Mel. So I was confused for a second. I clearly recognized it. Maybe Kendall did too. Do you remember we saw her in person? I don't even know. Years ago when we were at some event in LA and yes, and we saw her from a distance and she's strikingly beautiful. She was with her daughter, right? Yeah, she was with her daughter and she has a very, like, she's a really nice aura about her. Um, I don't think we ended up talking to her because I I don't know, we didn't want to bother her. There were a lot of people around her, but she has a really, really nice aura about her. Yes. You know, I'm all for an aura. I just, like, it just makes me laugh because, like, what do you want me to say? Like, I have never in my life ever been like, I love your aura. No, that's not a word that is anywhere in your vocabulary. No, I would never, ever think to describe anybody like that. But like when you say it, I just like have to agree with you because like I don't know otherwise. <laughs> up on someone's aura. Surely. <laughs> that's why That's why we work well together, you know? I think so too. I like when you teach you about auras. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We are now at Spartan race day. And of course, as expected, Kylie has a sinus infection or so she says, and she is not present, which um, upsetting, although exactly on par with what we thought, correct? Exactly on par. It would have been weird if she showed up. Also, like while we're discussing (laughs) things that they don't know throughout this episode, Kendall not knowing Parent Trap, Kendall not knowing Melissa, why does Chloe not know what a sinus infection is? That was very funny. I know. Also, if you remember earlier on in this episode when Kim was talking about the obstacle course, she said something to the effect of like, yeah, we'll see if Kylie even shows up or something like that. So she knew. It's not like we're the only ones that know. Kim knows too. Yeah. No, Kylie was never showing up for that. I think one of the funniest things was Scott and Harry Hudson off in the distance kind of squaring up the competition. That, That was hilarious. They were basically the commentators. So funny when Scott says to Harry something along the lines of they're like deciding they're going through each one deciding who could win. And he's like, Courtney works out like a beast, but Courtney worked out this morning. You don't work out the day of that would be like if you were going to war and you were like, hey, boys want to have a battle before. 
I love him. And he's doing it while wearing the the diamond encrusted Lord necklace. Oh my God. It's just too good. I really, I'm just upset about Scott also because he has such a fucking personality. I know. That's the thing. He really does. He's just, ah. He's just the best. I don't even know. Like, I feel so weird saying that sometimes. Remember that TikTok that was like making fun of Amelia because she had posted Scott on her story saying my dream man and somebody had commented, somebody made a TikTok of it being like, if Scott Disick is your dream man, like you need help. And I was like, that hits. (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly which one you're talking about. It was like that fucking hits. That's hilarious. And we watch this race unfold and Kendall wins, although I will say Courtney really held her to a very close margin because it could have been anyone's game. Courtney's height really screwed her up. She should have she should have skipped that one thing, taken the 15 second bonus, and she would have won by a long shot. I was sitting there basically with my stopwatch trying to calculate if she did that where she would have ended up. I can't believe they made them start on those stairs. That just seems unfair. That was a lot of work. I mean, they don't take those stairs normally. That's why they have that lift from the beach up to the house. They're in amazing shape. They really are. Especially, I mean, Courtney is 40, what, 41? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Well, I think older, like 42 maybe even now. Yeah. My hot take of the day, by the way, is that I could have beat you if the two of us were doing that. Me and you? Yeah. You think? You want to know why? Why? I don't think you have a competitive edge. I have zero competitive edge. That's why you I never the siblings. Well, that's why I never really was as good as at tennis as I could have been because I just didn't care enough. Like I just wanted to hit. <laughs> right. Like I think I think you are <laughs> I think you are more well equipped from a stamina standpoint to beat me, but I think I would have beaten you because I'm more competitive. Yeah. Like, I have no- like you know when like moms like lift the car off the baby and they like summon an extreme amount of strength? Like that's what would have happened if you and I did this together. I totally could see that. You're right. I was just talking to Allie about that yesterday. I have zero competitive desire. That's why in softball, um, I just <laughs> like I would never really run fast. I just like liked the idea of hitting it and they'd be like, come on, come on. And I'd be like, no, it's okay. It's okay. I don't want to mess anything up. Like I just <laughs> I wasn't competitive like when I had to play sports because I didn't want to actually play, but I'm like competitive if I feel the need to win against somebody that I care about. <laughs> like I don't if I don't know you, I don't care to beat you. Like you just don't matter to me. But like if I'm if I care about you, then like I'm super fucking competitive. The only reason that I could see just from a logistical standpoint that maybe not happening is because I was envisioning you doing the crawl and I was just imagining your boobs really getting in the way. I know. I was thinking about that too, but I think there was enough room to do like a hands and knees situation so it wouldn't be like as dragging. Yeah. I'm not saying it wouldn't touch. I'm not saying it wouldn't touch. <laughs> I'm saying it wouldn't be as bad. <laughs> well, we'll see. Hey, you never know. Maybe you're we- not doing it, by the way. Like, I have no interest. I just want you to know that hypothetically, I think I could beat you. That's okay. I would gladly have you beat me. I, I hate competition so much. Okay, next scene, I will get into in a second. I just want to say we are really on one today, are we not? I'm really enjoying it. Do you want to know why it is? Should we just tell them? It's because this is the fourth time we've had to restart this episode because the Wi-Fi situation at my house has never been worse than today. And it's to the point where in our last break, (laughs) my dad was like pleading with Julie, explaining all of the changes that he's been making. And we were hysterically laughing. And I don't think the laughing ever wore off while we went into this next segment. Nothing in the entire world 
is funnier than your dad trying to get me to be proud of him for fixing the Wi-Fi in your house. <laughs> it's, it's his first thing. He always says to me, call Julie. <laughs> I actually like am laughing so hard that I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through the rest of this episode. <laughs> well, it's okay. I hope everybody is in a good mood or if hearing this, you guys are feeling some of the energy that we're putting out. Okay. This is when Corey and Chris are sitting off to the side of the house and Courtney hears them making these noises. She thinks that maybe they're potentially having sex. Again, stage for the show. Yes, loved every second of it, of course. He's really just massaging her, but they're having this continued conversation about celibacy and they are struggling, admittedly. I can't believe how much they're struggling. (laughs) I love when Corey says, I want to not do this exercise again. (laughs) I I can't. I'm like obsessed with this whole (laughs) line. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. So next scene, it's Chloe and Kim. They're getting this entire dinner set up. And Chloe is holding two Swiss flags. And she's saying to Kim that since Courtney's fantasy is Switzerland, quote, who better to fulfill her fantasy than the Lord? I want that like tattooed on me. I want that also, like I want my fantasies fulfilled by the Lord as well. <laughs> also, not just her Switzerland fantasy. I want all of Courtney's fantasies fulfilled by Scott. I really, really do too. In her confessional, Chloe saying, Courtney and Scott are both getting here tonight thinking they're meeting Kim and I for a family dinner, but we want to set up a Swiss-themed romantic dinner because we know that's something Courtney claims to love. Once the sun is setting, everything's going to look romantic and enticing, and she's going to be overwhelmed with love. There's rose petals everywhere. It was... Scott, a little bit later on, which we'll get into in a second, said that it was very Bachelor-themed, and all all three episodes of The Bachelor that I've ever watched, I would concur. Yes, it, it definitely was. So they get there, they arrive at the house, and Scott's like, you look so nice. She's like, oh, thanks. They walk in, and there's a note that says, find the most romantic spot in the house. And again, remember, they think that everybody else is there, so they're walking around, And in her confessional, Courtney's saying, Kim and Chloe said we're having a family dinner tonight in Malibu, but our family dinners don't usually start with cryptic love notes and clues. I'm not really sure what's going on, but they're definitely up to something. And they're walking down the stairs and they realize it's just for the two of them. Of course, we're waiting for this moment at the edge of our seats. And you hear Scott say, oh, so this is them setting us up. And Courtney goes, or is it you setting it up? Loved that line. Loved. Scott's like, no, I didn't have anything to do with this. She goes, are you sure? He's like, no, I think that I would say. And Courtney goes, I mean, I thought this was a family dinner. He goes, so did I. I mean, it's still a family dinner technically, but I think it's pretty obvious that they tried to set us up. Scott saying it was still technically a family dinner was so sweet. Yeah. And also the fact that Courtney wouldn't have been even 1% surprised if it was Scott's doing was telling. I know this was all kind of joking, but it is telling that in and of itself. Very much so, yes. In his confessional, Scott says... The family puts a lot of pressure on Courtney, more so than me, in regards to them wanting her to be back together with me. They just see two people that spend a lot of time together, do a lot of things with their children, so why can't we have a perfect little family and a white picket fence? But it's just not that simple. 
But I think to have a moment to just be together and see if we even like being together without the kids is a cool thing. Can we talk about that before we go into the rest of the scene? Yeah, but let me say one thing. You know when people say it's just not that simple? Mm-hmm. 10 times out of 10 times, it quite literally is just that simple. Well, that was me texting you in capital letters last night as I was watching this, literally saying it is that simple. It literally is. Let me tell you where they went wrong, though. Mm. They didn't use the kids as pawns, okay? The kids should have been incorporated in this. You know why it worked in the parent trap? Because the kids were involved. Let me ask you a question. Can you try to paint out for me how the kids would be involved in this particular scenario? Of course I can. It plays out exactly like the parent trap did. The kids get the two adults, (laughs) not Jesse and... And Martin, but Kim and Chloe, they recreate the first night that they met. The kids are there. The kids know what's going on. They're involved. The parents feel the pressure because the kids want their parents to get back together. And then it happens. There's a camping trip, obviously. Maybe Travis gets put on the, well, actually, it wouldn't be Travis. Amelia would be put on the mattress that floats out to the lake. She has them make a decision. Scott makes the ultimatum. They come home from the kissing, the the camping trip, and then they get back together. It plays out exactly like the movie. Wow. I mean, now that you say it, I'm I'm sold. At duh, of course you're sold. It's it's the recreation of the greatest movie of all time. You think it wouldn't work? <laughs> I will say though that when Scott said in his confessional that you know the family puts more pressure on Courtney than on him. Obviously, what that means is because they don't need to put pressure on him because they know that he'd be down in a second, but him putting any pressure on the situation would then be putting pressure on Courtney. That's what he was saying. You know, yeah, it was basically say that without saying that. They don't need to put any pressure on Scott. Exactly. There is no pressure that needs to be, and they know that, and Scott knows that, and Courtney knows that, which is why this dynamic is also so interesting is because it's not like the family's pushing for two people to get back together that are both saying, no, we're better separate. They're pushing for one person to come to a realization and the other person is just sitting there waiting for that to happen as well, but not willing to fully admit it so that he doesn't get hurt. Yeah. And also what we're not seeing, and I know we get a lot, but what we're not seeing is the conversations that I would imagine Scott has with Chloe specifically about this. Chloe has a lot of intel, I think, about where Scott's at in terms of his feelings on with Courtney. I think so too. They have this whole back and forth and Scott's saying to her, you know, I understand the whole trying to get us alone, but what's going on with the Swiss thing? And she's explaining to him how she envisions this Swiss guy and how, you know, 15 minutes in Switzerland rule, this whole back and forth thing. But they end up kind of just reminiscing on the last time they had dinner alone. I guess it was in Cabo. And you could tell as they're talking about it, like, that they were both thinking about the night while they were speaking it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I could see it in their eyes. Oh, I could see it in their eyes too. Fuck. This is hard. This is like- it's hard. I, I, I can't believe the whole family has to deal with this all the time in person because I watch one episode and I literally can't function the whole day. That's what I was saying. This is not for the faint of heart, kids. Nope. Anyway, last scene, Kim and Chloe come back to the house to check on them, and they hear something coming from the master bedroom. They're walking around, kind of sneaking around, and they see Courtney and Scott in bed together. Chloe's like, are you guys back together? Did you seal the deal? And they're all kind of just messing with them, saying, well, your dinner was so romantic. Turns out that that wasn't the case. They were just kind of messing with Kim and Chloe, but that was, to me, not a funny prank. I like could not handle it. Them in bed together, especially when he put his hand on her head. 
the visual coupled with how I already was feeling was really intense. I have not stopped thinking about his hand on her head. Right. And this is what you said last night because we had to speak about it. Like I physically would have combusted if we didn't talk about it at least for a second is what you were saying was like that was just a reaction. Like he wasn't thinking about doing that. That was like a that's what I used to do when we were in bed together reaction. Right. Exactly. That's why it struck me because obviously this like quote stunt was a little bit performative, but that particular thing was not a conscious thing that he was doing in order to really seal the deal for Kim and Chloe. That was just something that he's so used to doing because that's a form of affection and that's kind of an endearing way to react with someone. Oh my God. I don't know how Courtney can lay in bed with him and not be like, wow, this just feels right. I know. And especially because right now, presumably she's not, you know, at the time that this was filmed, she's not with Travis. Right. I don't know. I just, I mean, I don't really, I'm trying to end on some sort of like an inspirational, excited, happy note, but I just want you guys to know I felt a little bit defeated at the end of this episode. I did too. I, again, just to go back to that initial point that we brought up in the very beginning of the episode, how do you think that you would feel right now if the episode ended like that, but they weren't seeing anybody else at the current moment? I would feel more hopeful, I think. Like, would you be like, they are absolutely going to get back together? Probably, yes. I actually think that I would. I think so too. And by the way, you don't even need to say the extent of both of them if it was Courtney not with Travis. Right. Like, I'm not. 100%. You know what I mean? It's not about Amelia. I just don't see that as a serious relationship. Yeah. And we end with Kim and her confessional saying, I'm rooting for them. And Chloe saying, I think we're all rooting for them. And maybe they just need this time. And maybe they need even more time than now. But we're always rooting for them. Very tired of her. <laughs> we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> I don't know, guys. You know, next week we're met with Addison. And maybe that'll be a nice little distraction because I ended this one feeling a little bit heartbroken. And like we were watching it two days or whenever before it comes out. So I'm just desperately waiting for all of you to watch so that we can all like talk about it together. Cause it's so frustrating when you're watching it and nobody's, we can't even see everybody's reactions yet. I know it really is. Yeah. Anyway, well, that is all. Isabel and I will see you tomorrow for our Bravo episode, which is going to be a fucking shit show because of the whole Jen Shaw situation. So we haven't recorded that yet, but, um, that's a lot to do and we love you guys so 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 much thank you for listening as always and we'll see you tomorrow and then again next week so i'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life like generally speaking there's pretty much nothing i wouldn't rather be told straight up but specifically when i'm buying something or paying for a service I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.